It's not evening. It's actually nine, eleven o'clock in the morning, depending upon which person on this episode you're siding with. But we'll go with good evening because this is an evening at the movies, everybody's favorite movie-based podcast, where we eat stale popcorn and drink watered-down sodas and discuss all of our favorite movies and why we love them. I am your one of your favorite hosts. KCB and joining me this morning slash afternoon slash evening is one third of the amazing pod Migos, Miss Jennifer Jean Higgins. Welcome. Hey, glad to be here. Always. It feels like it's been a while, but then at the same time, it's like it really hasn't been that long. I feel like it has too. Well, I think we haven't been a while since I've done either um, either podcast. Well, it's a busy time for me right now. <laughs> well, yeah, and I was gonna say at least on my side of the equation, and I'm pretty sure Amanda probably would agree with it too. We understand the fact. Well, both of you have kids that are getting ready to walk down the high school aisle. I had to make sure I added the high school adjective in there because you tell mm-hmm. me. Yeah, nobody's they walk married. down the aisle and you guys are both having kids getting married and that's just not the case yet. Nobody's getting married. So, but yeah, no, I mean, Carter's getting ready to graduate. Abby's getting ready to graduate. And, you know, I know from my own personal gratification that you've had stuff going on. So, I try and not be as needy as, ooh, 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 it's been, you know, one episode or two episodes. We need to get you back on the show. I know. Yeah. No, you guys are great with, you know, not. Yeah. Not trying to push up on there and be like, hey. Uh, try and not pull of, you too far in one direction. Get your ass out of your family life and come record with us. <laughs> right. <laughs> Stop being so busy with your graduating child. <laughs> yeah, because once, you know. Not to bring up the sore subject, but yeah, once Carter graduates, you know, well, and even once Abby graduates, neither of the two of you have another kid to graduate. You know, this is nope. it. This is it. Yeah. Luckily, Carter will still be playing soccer. So we'll still, we'll still get to see him play in college, which will be nice. So, which his high school coach tried to freaking totally fucking derail at the start of the season. You know, it's uh, it's been a great season, thankfully. Um, well, I'm, I'm I remember that there that. was a whole lot of drama when the season yeah. started. Yeah, I yeah. never really checked up on that, but from what I saw, it looked like Carter got ended up getting a lot more playing time. Well, they they decided season. to alternate to alternate the goalies since there were two, and they were both 
really good goalies, um, which is what they should have done last year too, but they didn't. And that's okay. I mean, he's, he's had a great season. I mean, the games he's played in, he's done so well. And I just hope that they let him play in the playoffs. Even like the other night, though, I mean, he literally threw a blank on, you know, the scoreboard for, you know, he didn't allow oh, yeah, no. any goals. Like that PK save was, I, it, I just, it's so exciting. And people who don't follow soccer are like, please stop talking about soccer. This is stupid. Sorry, guys. It's, it, it's just, it's very exciting. He's the goalie, if you don't know, and. He had a clutch save on a PK. The goalie in soccer is almost the equivalent of the quarterback in football. Oh, yeah. If you don't have a good goalie, you may as well just freaking not bother putting anybody (laughs) in goal. Yeah. Well, and we've got an incredible back line. Like, our whole team, like, they're just really good. We're having a great season, and I'm hoping that that we can – make it all the way to state that would be a phenomenal end to the senior year so fingers crossed well the dozens stay hopeful for the boy to to make it to state and get to play the whole time <laughs> right the dozens fully support carter and his pursuit of helping win a state championship in his senior year I will speak for the dozens. The dozens will fully support Carter. Good luck, Carter. And we will be sending lots of good juju your way. Thank you. So anyway. Why we're really here. (laughs) Yeah. We're we're not here to discuss high high school soccer. We're not. Sorry. Tangent. (laughs) Because we tend to do tangents no matter which one of the or how many of the pod migos are on either podcast. True. True. Although I will say this, Amanda and I did the Halloween two episode on Friday mm-hmm. in literally like record time. Nice. And considering how much, and you know, as well as I do, how much she loves Halloween. Yes. Before I made any edits to that episode, the final running time was 55 minutes. Oh, wow. I have never recorded an episode of either podcast where she and I were on where it went less than an hour and a half. Yeah, for sure. So. Good job, guys. We nailed that one down and. On to bigger and better things, which bigger and better being we are here today to discuss Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Yay. The third third installment. In an eight movie franchise. franchise. (laughs) Look at us sharing a brain right there. Right. Great minds think alike. Or as we say in the group chat, Guma. Get out of my head. Mhm. Mhm. So, um, so yeah, we're gonna discuss Harry Potter, and we're going to do it as only Gene and I can do it because we are the two thirds of the Podmigos that are Harry Potter aficionados. Although yeah, man so- doesn't see any of the movies. Although somebody has said she is committing to watching the franchise, I'm not going to hold my breath until she watches. 
think I think she will. Um, you know, we've talked about it before. Katie, Katie never really cared for the movies either. And once she actually sat down and started watching them, like she loves them now. So I, I don't know that Amanda will love them, but no. I think she will find that she likes them more than what she anticipates. Well, and I think part of it too, and we've discussed this before, is you almost have to get through Chamber of Secrets. Nothing against <clears throat> yeah. Chamber of Secrets, but it can be a lot to put on your plate. Yeah, it's and the slowest one for me that... Yeah. I, yeah. But once you get through, you know, Chamber of Secrets, then you've got Prisoner of Azkaban and its plot twists, then Goblet of Fire, which brings in a whole another level of dimension that we'll get mm -hmm. to down the road but you know order of the phoenix and then obviously you get the last three movies in the franchise with half blood and deathly hollows one and two which yeah there's really nothing stopping you from getting at least a healthy respect for these movies if you can get through chamber of secrets yeah yeah and again, we're not saying Chamber of Secrets is bad. It's just, it's a lot to digest. And it can be a it little is. bit complex. If you listen to that episode, you know, <laughs> you know that it's a lot because that episode was forever long because I just went into extreme detail on it, which I promise not to do on this episode. <laughs> well, and no, even like we said during, you know, our pregame warmup before I hit record, a lot of those plot details you can't leave out because then something 15, 20, 30, 45 minutes, an hour later isn't going to make sense because, oh, right. well, blah, 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 blah. And yeah, you don't have, I mean, you do get that with one, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, but not as much as with Chamber of Secrets. Right. Yeah. So. Alrighty, let's get into it and see what we can see what kind of podcast magic we can make this morning. Lego. So, Prisoner of Azkaban is the first in the Harry Potter franchise that did not release in November. And they decided to go with the summer blockbuster front down the summer down the summer blockbuster road and released it on June 4th, 2004 debuting director to the franchise alfonso i hate this last name because i can't ever get it right Caron sure made his franchise debut with prisoner of azkaban the movie was released by warner brothers pictures um obviously the groundwork for the musical score was laid by the great john williams the movie had a $130 million budget and had a 19 or a 2004 box office of $797.4 million. Oh my freaking God. That's so much money. Can somebody <laughs> literally just give me like a half of 1% of one right. of those freaking box office, please? Quarter of a percent, please. <laughs> yeah. Which obviously that seven hundred ninety four or hundred seven hundred ninety seven point four million dollars, you know what, 
16 years later translates to a box office of about 1.2 billion dollars for one movie insane. and there's still seven other movies in the franchise <laughs> wow so um the average estimated audience for prisoner of azkaban and 2004 average movie ticket prices were about six dollars and 21 cents a ticket which is a lot better than what the average ticket price was on the last episode so if you want to know what that one was tune in to listen to the halloween 2 episode but we won't go down that road so 621 or six yeah 621 dollars a ticket six dollars and 21 cents a ticket (laughs) for 797.4 million equals about 128.4 million people went to the theater and saw Harry Potter. Nice. Harry Potter 3. So I think by the time we're done with this, I almost would like to do the average estimated audience for all eight movies and add them together and see just how many people watched went to the theater and saw all eight movies yeah i'll admit wholeheartedly i did not go to the theater and see sorcerer's stone but i went to the theater and saw the last seven movies so my number will be a part of that one because yeah same um I'm not going to freaking bore the audience with running down the cast again, because for the most part, the cast for this movie hasn't changed from part one, part two to part three. Yeah, you just have like a couple of additional. Yeah, with the exception of obviously. um, Yeah. What's his face passed away. Well, yeah, I mean. (laughs) Gary Old Professor Lupin, Peter Pettigrew. There's a couple of yeah, there's additional... I think I have what five here, and obviously the main one being Michael Gambon. Mm, yes, signed on to take over Albus Dumbledore after um Richard Harris died. Yes, I for, I don't know why I was thinking Richard Griffiths, but that's not He's in the Harry Potter franchise, but not as Dumbledore. No. R.I.P. Yes. So, yeah, Michael Gambon took over here for Richard Harris and finished out the franchise as Albus, Percival, Wolfric, Brian. Brian Dumbledore. (laughs) I love Uh, this freaking name. Well, I feel like we, we mentioned it before that it was a perfect time for for that change to be made because yeah the movies get darker and i feel like richard harris was like the kind old man where michael gambon came in and and he was able to be that more stern and serious dumbledore so i think that this was a perfect movie for that that change to happen it's sad that you know we lost Richard Harris because he yeah. was amazing. But it was a great time for it to happen in the in the franchise. Well, because even like when we'll get to this the next time we come back and do Harry Potter, because next time up is Goblet of Fire, and 
you know yeah i'm not sure richard harris like okay the scene where they pull the names out of the goblet of fire and oh yeah yeah no and yeah harry, and harry's <laughs> name comes out and they rush harry off to the side room and then all of a sudden dumbledore comes storming through the freaking door and literally gets up in here did you put your name in the did you did, 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 did. He's like i'm not sure richard harris could have pulled that off with the style no. that he was going for with dumbledore so yeah he was just the kind like the kind grandfather grand man. grandfather yeah. grandfatherly yeah. figure yeah michael gambon could go that direction but he also could be a little bit of the crotchety old guy if he needed to be yeah he's more versatile in in that so that's yeah. why he works so well in this particular movie well throughout the rest of the, the series but well yeah, uh, this was a great great time for him to come in yeah because well, once you get into the whole aspect of where we're going with prisoner of azkaban you know as each movie progresses it gets darker and darker and darker yeah. and dark ultimately to where you know deathly hollows one and two takes you which <clears throat> there may as well have not been one ounce of sunlight in that movie because that was dark yeah. as fuck yeah so well uh, and then too gary oldman um is another additional new cast member for this serious, movie serious black he's amazing yeah that was one of those ones where um i remember reading prisoner of azkaban before it came out and before it was even announced that gary oldman was taking that part mm -hmm. and my one of my first thoughts was he was a small handful of actors who i could actually see playing serious black depending upon where they wanted to go with right you know how they wanted to tell the story on screen yeah because obviously you can make different changes and cast different actors to make it appear a little bit different than whatever but yeah gary oldman i mean for the most part realistically is only in grand total what a half an hour of three movies i mean he's not really in a whole lot of scenes in the movie but he makes a tremendous impact in yeah. the screen time that he is given for sure yeah he's a, so. a vital role <laughs> especially in this movie this movie kind of is somewhat centered around him obviously it's called the prisoner of azkaban and he is the prisoner of azkaban that they're referring to. well the escaped prisoner of azkaban but we'll get to that here right uh let's see who else debuted in the we've got timothy spall played peter pettigrew uh david the willis debuted mm -hmm. as professor lupin and then you have the off-the-wall zaniness of Emma Thompson, who debuted as Sybil Trelawney. Love. So, yeah, I mean, there oh, is... Oh, really and we also lost... Was it Crab or Goyle? I can't ever remember. 
one it it was the bigger of the two um crab i think we lost him starting now he never comes back i think he got he had like drug possession charges or something um and and they did not bring him back which i'm not excusing but yeah obviously were you we were really going to go through an eight movie franchise without having something like this pop up yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm impressed by the fact that nothing like this popped up for Rupert, Emma, and Daniel. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean or any of the other kids. I mean, because they used a lot of the same kids through the whole movie. So, I mean, you, the main uh, kids all stuck around for eight movies. Yeah. And yep. I know that was one of the big concerns when Sorcerer's Stone came out was, oh my God, how are we going to get through? At the time, it was thought seven movies, mm-hmm. and obviously, you can't just go back to 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 back, to back, to back <laughs> all the way through. And that would have been literally about because you know you have periods where you're down, right? You're, you're going to keep growing up, and are they going to still fit the age mold for what the author who shall not be named wrote the story for? Yeah, they did a good job. So, I mean, even with the gaps, I appreciate the fact that they still kept the nucleus of the cast intact. Well, they kept the majority of the cast intact for, you know, what, 12 years or 14 years or whatever it was from start to finish. Yeah. I mean... That's one of the only movies that I can remember in my lifetime where that happened. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've seen numerous movies where, yeah, it's even like a two or three movie franchise where the second movie gets recast or the third movie gets recast because something just doesn't work out or something pops up or whatever the case may be. Yeah. So, shall we try and briefly, as briefly as possible, do the plot for this movie? Absolutely. Okay. I will get us started. And feel free to chime in and stop me whenever you want to drop something in. Yep. So, it is the summer after the events of Chamber of Secrets. At the Dursleys, um, Harry Potter is obviously summering with the Dursleys because that's what he's expected to do during his downtime from Hogwarts. Um, Uncle Vernon's sister comes for a visit, and ultimately she and Harry do not get along at all. Because she's a miserable old cow. (laughs) Well, I... I don't know of, I mean, during the dinner scene after she arrives, I mean, she literally calls James a drunk mm-hmm. and then ultimately backhanded, well, not backhanded compliment because it's not a compliment, but in a very backhanded insult calls Lily a bitch. Oh, Yeah. If there's something wrong with the bitch, there's something wrong with the pup. 
And, you know, at that point, I would not have blamed Harry at all for freaking beating her ass into the freaking ground. You don't talk but about... He just blows her up. <laughs> yeah, he blows her up and sends her off as a hot air balloon into the... Like a balloon. Freaking priceless. Uh, I love it because she's like wagging her finger at him and it starts like getting really fat. And she's like, mm, what's, uh, what's happening here? And of course the Dursleys are like, oh shit. <laughs> oh yeah, shit, something's is, not good here. Yeah, well, because this is now what the third summer in a row that something like this has happened to yeah. them because yeah. you had the pigtail on Dudley the first time with Hagrid yeah and you had the that cakey thing getting dropped on his boss's head in yeah. Chamber of Secrets now you've got you know blowing at Marge up so what is left to happen after this tune in later to find out yeah so knowing that Harry is deeply in trouble, he runs upstairs to pack his stuff and escape the house. Where well, he, he, gets the, he gets the message from the ministry. That he's in trouble. That he's in trouble and, and Uncle Vernon's like, uh, yeah, bro, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> You're not going back. And he's like, the hell I'm not. <laughs> well, I think the th idea was I may not be going back, but I'm going anywhere other than here because i'm had it with being treated the way that you guys treat me and all this that and the other thing and yeah i can't say as i or wait, was that, in the, that was chamber of secrets that was chamber of secrets that he got the, the message from the ministry yeah because he he does just get angry and runs upstairs on this one i'm down sorry well either way pardon my mistake <laughs> well i mean at the same time though he still Okay, he takes off out of the house, gets picked up by the night bus. That's one of my most favorite parts, though. I have to just toss in for a second because when oh, yeah. Stan Shunpike pulls up and he sees them on the ground, he's like, what are you doing down there? And he's like, I fell over. What you fell over for? <laughs> it's just so funny because he's like, what? What are you doing? Get up. Well, That's and awesome. Stan has a whole bunch of memorable moments throughout the trip from the Dursleys to the Leaky Cauldron. I mean, you have the whole Harry asking about who the guy is in the picture on the Daily Prophet. And he's like, you don't know who that is? Yeah. You've never been hearing of Sirius Black before? And then you have the whole shifting the bus and <clears throat> to go in between the other two buses and the stopping on a dime to not run over the old lady. and Right. And the little head. He's like, one, two, two and a half. Two and three, <laughs> three quarters. Two and three quarters. <laughs> the Jamaican yeah. shrunken head. I love it. So good. But yeah, even once he gets dropped off at the Leaky Cauldron, he ends up in a face-to-face -face with Cornelius Fudge for mm -hmm. using magic outside of Hogwarts. Uh, right yeah, after that. Yeah, I like that he's like, 
we don't send people to Azkaban for blowing up their aunts. <laughs> right. But then at the same time, it's like, you know something else. I mean, obviously, there, there's a lot of shadiness about Fudge anyway to begin with. Yeah. But, you know, we haven't necessarily gotten too deep into <clears throat> that yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, let's see. After the meeting with Fudge, Harry is reunited with best friends Ron and Hermione. Uh, let's see. Harry learns. Oh, tiny piece of important information. He sees them. He sees Crookshanks chasing yes. Scabbers first, and then he goes and sees them arguing because. Ron is mad at Hermione Hermi- because yeah, Hermione's cat Shanks is chasing Ron's chasing rat, him. and but that's important, so we have to throw that in there. Important, yes. Thank you for catching that. Yeah, but let's be honest; it's all part of the great circle of life, and it was actually chosen and woven rather well into the storyline as well. So, yeah, it will all make sense here shortly. Um, let's see. Harry learns that Sirius Black. A convicted supporter of the dark wizard Lord Voldemort has escaped from Azkaban prison and intends to kill him. Okay, another sidebar here because it never goes into any kind of detail in the movie, but um, I'm pretty sure we learn about it in the book that how he got out of Azkaban because nobody has escaped Azkaban ever. And so. Sirius is an animagus and his animagus form is a dog. Um, and he like, he as a person kind of waited until he was withered away and he was skinny enough that when he morphed into his animagus form, the dog was skinny enough to fit through the bars. And so yeah. he squeezed through the bars and Dementors only affect humans so they didn't pick up on him in his animagus form and so then he jumped off into the water and escaped the freedom yeah yeah get a little bit i mean i believe it was ron that makes reference to the fact that nobody's ever gotten out of azkaban or nobody's ever escaped azkaban before but yeah yeah, you get all the plethora of details that gene just dropped on you in the book and yeah if you not that, in the movie yeah if you'd added that to the movie it probably at that point would have kind of bogged it down a little bit well but i think not you i think they didn't need to add the whole like scene in there no. i feel like a, an explanation at some point would have been helpful yeah right well yeah because you're ultimately left to wonder how in the hell did the bird man escape Alcatraz which basically yeah. is what serious escaping Azkaban is right yeah Azkaban is to Harry Potter what Alcatraz is to American prison history yeah so sorry just had to toss mm-hmm. that out <laughs> that's why you are good for stopping me and adding in the little plot points that my plot description doesn't cover yeah so everybody is reunited 
Next day, Harry, Ron, and Hermione return to Hogwarts for the school year on the Hogwarts Express, which is where they end up in a coach with a sleeping passenger, which we will discover who that is shortly. But on the way to Hogwarts, the train is stopped and boarded by an army of Dementors who are searching for escaped Azkaban prisoner Sirius Black. Um, one of them enters Harry, Ron, and Hermione's compartment, causing Harry to pass out. But new Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher Remus Lupin, the sleeping passenger in the cart, repels the Dementor with a Patronus charm. as well as gives Harry chocolate to help him recover from the attack and then informs the three what that was and that he needs to go and talk to the train conductor immediately about getting their happy asses straight to Hogwarts. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. I mean, obviously that's not the words he used, but we're paraphrasing. Um. At Hogwarts, Headmaster Albus Dumbledore announces that the Dementors will be guarding the school until Black is captured. Um, so don't leave the grounds because yes. don't piss if you them do, off. Those Dementors, you're fair game. <laughs> well, you can, he makes the reference to the fact that, yeah, if don't give them a reason to do what they have to do because they will not differentiate between, you know, who they're hunting and just anybody so right. they will attack you they will suck your soul they will completely destroy you so just make sure yeah. you're minding your p's and q's and doing what you're supposed to do and all will be fine supposedly mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um as well they Dumbledore introduces the fact that Hagrid has been promoted from groundskeeper to also become a the what the hell is his class basically the fantastic beast teacher <laughs> fantastic beast teacher yes. well I don't remember what it's called Ultimately, he okay, he's the monsters teacher. Yes, he teaches them about fantastic beast monsters. <laughs> Magical creatures. Yeah. We'll go with he's the professor of the care of magical creatures or something like that. Yeah. We'll go with Gene's description. It's better than mine. I like all of it. <laughs> To just piece it all together is like the longest classroom or class title in Hogwarts history. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Um, next day after the feast, um, Harry and his friends have their first class in divination with Professor Trelawney, where their first lesson in tea leaf reading um 
reveals that Harry, well, that Professor Trelawney sees an omen of death. Um, the Grim. The Grim, <laughs> yes. I wonder what the Grim could be. Technically, I could have given that away if I'd actually written out the character description for a certain character that they were given online, but I didn't want to do that because I didn't want to spoil it before we got there. Although I'm sure most of us know who the Grim is. Um, after the first divination class, um, you get the kids with their where the hell did it go okay um care of magical the first care of magical creatures class with hagrid where um the class goes incredibly badly um he attempts to introduce the kids to hippogriffs being Buckbeak. And there is a whole procedure to approaching a hippogriff that you have to adhere to, or it could go tremendously wrong. And he teaches Harry how to bow and wait for a response. And then once you get the response, then you know you very carefully and slowly approach the hippogriff and go from there harry ends up on buckbeak's back and takes a aerial tour of the hogwarts ground and then as he gets back and climbs off buckbeak a certain blonde-headed asshole not to name names mm -hmm. draco malfoy decides that oh that's just a bunch of crap they're not that dangerous i can i'm just going to walk up on this freaking hippogriff and everything will be fine Ha 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 ha, right. Right. Um, he ends up getting smacked with one of the Buckbeak's hooves, I believe it was. And ultimately ends up, Hagrid has to take him to the nurse's office. And ultimately, that starts the supposed downhill spiral for Buckbeak as now obviously lucius malfoy is going to find out about this and he's going to raise hell for hagrid and buckbeak both because that's what the malfoys do unbeknownst to the fact that his child did what he was told not to do and ultimately ended up getting himself attacked yeah so you know go figure somewhat attacked i mean it was a he yeah. reared up and like hit him on the arm with his little hoof and malfoy's a giant vagina and made a huge big deal out of it and yeah 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 i mean obviously that's well again that's what draco does he's for lack of a better term an attention whore and egotistical narcissist who thinks his shit doesn't stink and let's be honest he's probably the biggest moron in the freaking world much love to tom felton 
though, because he played oh, yeah. that role so he, well yeah, throughout. He, he delivered <laughs> in every way that he could. I mean, he nailed that part. Yeah. Um, basically, next up, plot line wise, um, the doorway to the Gryffindor common room, the fat lady portrait um, is found ruined and empty and the fat lady terrified and is hiding in another painting when she's found and tells Dumbledore that Black has entered the castle so obviously the evil Sirius Black is rapidly drawing nearer and nearer to his ultimate goal of capturing the harry potter or is that his motives dum 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 tune in later to find out (laughs) (laughs) um let's see during a stormy quidditch match against hufflepuff dementors attack harry causing him to fall his broomstick lands at the whomping willow where it is destroyed um the other plot point from the beginning that we didn't bring up was this year is the first year that harry is allowed with parental guardian permission mm-hmm. to leave the grounds to go to hogsmeade and go to hogsmeade where um he doesn't end up getting permission because obviously he pissed off Uncle Vernon. Uncle Vernon's a dick. <laughs> yeah. So he tries to get um, Professor McGonagall to sign off on it. And she's all like, um, I'm not your parent or guardian. And for me to do that would be kind of rude. So um, I'm not going to sign off on it. You know, ultimately, Harry has the invisibility cloak. So if he wants to freaking leave, just throw the damn cloak on and leave. Not saying that that would ever happen, but maybe it will. So ultimately, the kids get to go on their first outing to Hogsmeade. And okay, let's be honest. Harry throws the invisibility cloak on and shortly after they arrive he ends up joining ron and hermione for shenanigans and whatnot but also as well as shenanigans um a bunch of well professor mcgonagall and oh god who all was in that party um i'm trying to do you remember who all was in that party at the where they reveal the fact that they're talking about Sirius and his link to Harry so it's it's the minister Fudge wait was the minister I think so Fudge Fudge is there McGonagall uh, Madam Ms. Huerta or (laughs) the the lady who runs the pub yeah. Um, and I think that was it. I think it was just those three, wasn't it? I I don't remember if 
Dumbledore was there or not. Uh, Either way. I don't remember. Ultimately, yeah. they're discussing the fact that obviously Sirius Black is drawing near to Harry when Professor McGonagall makes the announcement that um, as dangerous as the fact that he's drawing near also least we forget the fact that he is harry potter's godfather oh <gasps> you know mm-hmm. so plot twist that maybe we all didn't see coming but harry for sure didn't see coming yeah no because he ends up back outside having an emotional breakdown where he has the revelation at this point he's under the impression that not only did he betray did he ultimately lead Voldemort to his mother and father but he was my godfather and did that that was the ultimate betrayal like they were yeah. best friends and my godfather and he he got them killed like he betrayed them yeah so he's very upset and he really, really hates Sirius Black. <laughs> oh yeah. Even to the point that um it, he's gone to Professor Lupin and they've made arrangements for Lupin to privately teach Harry how to defend himself against the Dementors by using the Patronus charm. Yeah, they use the Boggart for him to try yes. to learn how to which takes a little bit of practice to get used to but will it work in the end will it not work in the end Hmm. give us a couple minutes and maybe you will find out um during a divination exam also we find out that um professor talani makes a prediction that lord voldemort will return Surprise, surprise, because Lord Lord Voldemort has been been returning since the first movie. Um, so she okay, so that's not entirely accurate. It's so Hermione gets pissed and knocks the the crystal ball off. It rolls out. Yeah. So Harry picks it up after class and is taking it back. When he goes back in. Professor Trelawney is like having one of her fits visions and she touches him on the shoulder and in a weird voice, she tells him that the one who betrayed his friends will return. So she's basically, he thinks that it's telling him that Sirius is coming back. And then she says, the dark Lord, something hit, the dark Lord return approaches or something like that. So it is, it's kind of a foreshadowing of the one who betrayed his friends is coming back and the dark Lord's return is approaching. So well, Gene explains yeah. it so much better than I do. <laughs> Just adding a little, a little piece of it. True. This is where my detail orientation of my mind comes in handy, I think. Yeah, I mean, I tend to be a little bit more 
lax with my details, but Jean balances that out with her need for details. So only when it's like an important little detail, yes. like because that's important to know. Um, and then like she has no idea. She snaps out of it and she's like, Oh, hey, <laughs> did you need something? And Harry's like, Holy shit, like you have no idea what just happened. Nope, I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so let's see. Um as far as major plot points go, that takes us up to about Buckbeak's execution. Then the kids go down to Hagrid's. Go to Hagrid, and they encounter Malfoy and his two goons. And Hermione punches him in the face because it's his his fault that Buckbeak is being executed. Well, yeah, because so I mean they're on their way down to Hagrid's and. Yeah, Draco and his freaking morons are just outside the gate. And his little hut, yeah. And, and so they're in the cabin when they, Dumbledore yeah. and the minister and the Grim Reaper <laughs> show up to kill That's Buck. basically who it is. Yeah. But yeah, you get the whole big spiel about Hermione gets pissed off. She pulls her wand on Draco. Draco basically is crapping his pants and almost in tears because of fear of what Hermione's going to do to him. And then as soon as Ron basically convinces her by saying, you know, he's not worth it, and she drops her wand, Malfoy's all like, ha ha whatever and she basically turns around and socks him right in the face punches him right in the nose so that subject will be addressed again later in the fun facts as well but ultimately yeah draco and his crew end up running back into the castle harry ron and hermione end up back down to hagrid's where um They meet with Hagrid and then um, Fudge and the Grim Reaper and Dumbledore end up walking down the path. Oh, but somebody, yeah, throws the rock through the window. Yeah, they're being pelted by rocks through the window by, you know. Who knows what. Who knows what. (laughs) Because we kind of really haven't even addressed that subject yet either. Nope, nope. And we won't until the very end. (laughs) So Harry and Ron and Hermione are ushered out the back door and told to carefully work their way back up to the castle so they're not caught. And And so they don't see Buckbeak being executed. Yeah, because Hagrid doesn't want them to have to see that. And Hagrid doesn't know what's going on. So he's assuming Buckbeak only has moments left to live. Yeah. So, um, yeah, even while... They're in the, I guess you would say, pumpkin patch <coughs> out with the garden outside of Hagrid's house. We'll go with that. Mm-hmm. Hermione swears she sees something, something in the mm-hmm. woods behind them. 
not saying what it was, but you know. Well, and she doesn't say either. She says, I thought I saw, never mind. Yeah. And then they carry on and, and go up to the rocks where they saw Malfoy and they watch, but they can't see really. Yeah. They and the crew, does, I mean, as far as the way the movie's edited, we don't even, we see the big axe and then we see it drop and we hear it hit something pumpkins it yeah you hear the sound of it hitting something we think so you think that bug beat gets his head chopped off which obviously i would hope for a kids movie young adult movie they wouldn't necessarily show that anyway but if yeah. you've seen them if you've read the book you know what happens so um what did i have left in um that's when scabbers comes out because yeah. ron's holding scabbers yeah. scabbers bites ron ron chases after him ultimately they end up just well in the general vicinity of the whomping willow ron's right. like right up underneath it somehow already oh, like yeah. on the edge right underneath it yeah, because they're all like, whoa, shit, hold on. And Ron, like, look out. <laughs> yeah, Ron, look out. And Ron's like, wait a minute. I'm not going to look at you. Look out because over the hill right behind them. It's the Grim. It's the Grim who ultimately ends up. I'm not going to say what triggered the attack, but we'll get to that. Well, it in jumps a over. Yeah, jumps, jumps over, over and grabs Hermione. Ron by the heel and drags him into the secret passageway at the base of the Whomping Willow, which leads them to the Shrieking Shack, mm -hmm. where after some evading evasive maneuvers <laughs> and riding on branches, Ron, or not Ron, freaking hermione harry. and harry end up inside the secret passageway as well ultimately leading them to the shrieking shack where they find ron and ron makes the revel what exactly was the words he they're he basically said... ron are you okay yeah but he points and the door to the room closes and you have the revelation. He's an animagus. Sirius Black is in the room and he's an animagus, which means ultimately that he's a human that can transform himself into a certain animal. Let's <clears throat> Uh, let's see, Lupin arrives and embraces Sirius as an old friend. Um, this says here he admits to being a werewolf, but basically Hermione outs him as being a werewolf. Because she's like, I knew from the first time you missed class for a period of time, all those months ago. And then the 
essay assignment that we were. What the frick? Okay, so pause for the cause. We had a technical issue, and I'm going to grab at a plot point. And if we're rehashing, then sorry, people, but um, we'll just go with that. We just, we just figured out that Sirius is an animagus, which is an animal that, or a human that can turn into an animal, and his yeah. is the ground and lupin arrives and embraces sirius as an old friend um he admits to being a well okay the i now i know this says he admits to being a werewolf but really hermione that revealed it yes because she thought it was kind of weird that he had been missing classes and then coupled with the fact that uh, professor snape subbed in for one of those classes and gave them the assignment of um, researching the characteristics of a werewolf and all that because Snape knew what was going on. Mm -hmm. And this will all be revealed here in just a second, but okay, well, we'll just ultimately the reunion with Lupin and Sirius Black happens only to be apprehended by professor snape who has made well but before snape gets there sirius is like let's just kill him let's just do it now and harry hermione and ron think that he wants to kill harry yeah but that's not who he wants to kill no and then we find out that because lupin says um you know, he didn't kill your parents. It was somebody else. By somebody else in our group. Yeah. And Sirius yep. says, Peter Pettigrew. <laughs> and, you know, then they have the revelation that. Um, oh, yeah, because he's like Peter Pettigrew and then points at Ron. Yeah. And Ron's like, the fuck? I'm not Peter Pettigrew. <laughs> and he's like, not Not you. you. He's like the rat. rat. And he's like, Yeah, this rat has been with our family for and and Sirius is like, huh? 12 years? And he's like Curiously long life for your average rat. (laughs) Well, yeah, and ironically, he comes to your family right at the same time that the shit went down with Harry and all that. So also, I'll toss in here because we talked about Sirius escaping. So at the beginning of the movie, when when the kids all meet back up, um, Ron has a paper and it's got a picture of them in Egypt, him and his family. They had gone to Egypt over the summer and um, Sirius saw that newspaper. He got that paper in Azkaban. And when he saw Scabbers, that's when he was like, this motherfucker. Yeah. That's Peter Pettigrew. And he that's when he Ultimately, decided he needed to escape because now he knew where he was. Because, because he's were, known this whole time that he didn't kill Peter. Yeah. And that he had to be out there somewhere. Oh, 
both him and Lupin are under the impression that Peter had died that night. Well, because so, all, that was, all that could be found was a finger. Sirius never thought he died that night because it was him and Sirius that were fighting. And Sirius knew that he he didn't kill him that night. So that's why when he saw the picture of of the Weasley family and he saw scabbers in that picture, he because he knew that, you know, he transformed into a rat, whatever. Yeah. So that's just a little, I, I think that's a little bit important to know that since we don't get that whole thing in the movie, um, that's how he found out where Scabbers was. Yeah. And that's what prompted him to escape. Sorry, go on. No, 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 no. Snape no, no, no. shows up. Snape shows up now. Snape shows up. <laughs> you have the revelation of the fact that James and the boys, basically James and Sirius and Lupin and Peter Pettigrew were not very kind to Snape all those years at Hogwarts. And Snape is basically of the opinion I'm going to apprehend Sirius and I'm going to be the one to bring him to justice and blah, 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 blah. And he does say, too, to Lupin, he's like, I told Dumbledore you were helping an old friend into the castle. Uh-huh. And it's all like, I know not what you speak of, but, you know. Yeah, and Sirius is like, um, as usual, you've come to the wrong conclusion, you idiot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, ultimately, he has. I mean, some of his ideas are accurate, but the main points are totally way off base. Right. Yes, Lupin has been helping an old friend get into the castle, but not for the reason that they all think. Right. The castle. So, ultimately, Harry ends up knocking Snape for a loop, knocking him out cold so that he can ascertain all this backstory from Lupin and Sirius so that everything can make sense in his head um, they all end up you know even helping Snape out of the Shrieking Shack and oh wait but you missed where they turned Scabbers back into Peter Pettigrew oh yeah I did miss the ultimate revelation that, yes, Scabbers is Peter Pettigrew. They transform him back into his human form, and he's trying to act like, oh, my old friends, I'm so excited to see you. And then he tries to get Harry to help him and try to get them to not kill him. And Harry's like, don't kill him. And he's like, oh, thank you. And he's like, no, no. We're going to take you back to the castle and then the Dementors can have you because you killed my parents. And he admits it because he said, yeah. you know, they're like, you betrayed Lily and James to Voldemort. And he's like, I couldn't help it. You have no idea the tools that the Dark Lord had at his disposal. And what would you have done, Sirius? And he said, I would have died. 
Like he would have died rather than I, betray yeah, his friends. I never ever would have betrayed my friends, no matter what. Right. And, and that's so then, the mark of a true friend, too. But at the same yeah, time, they, yeah, they gather him up. They've got him, you know, held at one point, whatever. And they're they're going out of the shrieking shack and they all get out and Harry and Sirius are over to the side talking. Hermione's helping Ron and Lupin has Pettigrew. And then that's when Hermione notices the full moon. Yeah. Cause and, and Sirius are having their moment where they're yeah. having their discussion about the well, okay, realistically, I am your godfather, so if you want, mm-hmm. you don't have to go back to the Dursleys ever again. You can come stay with mm-hmm. me. You can still continue your education as a wizard and all of that when ultimately Hermione has the revelation and she sees the full moon. Knowing full well that Lupin is a werewolf and what is about to happen, which ultimately causes the distraction, which allows Scabbers to escape. Turn back into a stupid rat and escape. Yeah, turn back into Scabbers and then disappear as Lupin is turning into the werewolf. That's when Snape comes out, sees the kids, and he's like, You, and then realizes the werewolf is over there and he turns to protect the kids and kind of gets knocked to the side by werewolf lupin yeah and then sirius comes in in animagus form to fight lupin because obviously a human form of anybody is not going to be able to go toe-to-toe with a werewolf well, and even the little tiny dog form is <laughs> it's well, a little yeah. bit ridiculous against the animagus but he does get them away. Get you know he he takes Lupin away from the kids. So now that we get to this point, I think we almost need to bring up the plot point from earlier where oh. we didn't. De- okay, would you? I wouldn't. I wouldn't do it yet. Okay, because the. I think that we still have to get all the way through to, okay, so can I just? Yeah, I will let you take over at this (laughs) point and because this is where things might get a little bit dicey and I don't want to. So, yeah, okay, so Harry sees that the werewolf is attacking the Grimm, which is, you know, Lupin attacking Sirius essentially. And so he throws a rock to distract Lupin and he turns and like snarls at Harry. And then we hear a howling off in the distance that basically pulls Lupin away into the woods. And so then um, Harry and Sirius end up down by this creek or this river thing, whatever. Yeah. And he sees that Sirius is really wounded and He's starting to try to help him and then shit gets really cold and Harry's like, oh shit. Here's the the Dementors. Dementors. And the Dementors start coming and they're sucking out Sirius's soul and then they start sucking out Harry's soul and he tries to do the Patronus 
and it works for a second, but then he loses it and they're starting to get him. And he looks across the water and sees a Patronus of a stag. And it eventually becomes like a super strong Patronus that gets rid of the Dementors. Harry passes out, wakes up in the hospital. Ron's in the hospital with his leg wound. Hermione shows up. And this is where we can okay. get into the plot twist that affects because okay at the beginning of the movie ron makes the connection that hermione is taking an awful lot of classes this year and even some of the classes that she's taking are at the same time as other classes that they just saw her in Mm -hmm. so they're like what the fuck and she's all like very dismissive about how this is happening and all of that. How, you know, how the hell can you be in more than one place at the same time? And ultimately, during the post, they're in the hospital now. And ultimately, Dumbledore kind of sort of wink, wink. You know, I know what you know. Well, so so Hermione grabs Harry. Yeah. And she's like, this is a time turner. It's how I've been making it to my classes all year. McGonagall gave it to me first term so that I can take all these classes. And then Dumbledore does come in and he's like, oh, I think, you know, three turns should do it. Winks at him and she yeah loops it around her and harry because from or ron can't come because his legs busted up because of the attack and yeah yeah so she does the little three turns of the little time turner necklace and it rewinds the time literally to where they're behind the three of them walking out of the castle meeting up with malfoy and his boys and then all the events that lead through from that to Buckbeak's supposed execution. Mm-hmm. And so, it's them that it's them that throws the rocks through the window at themselves to, to try the, to get their attention to, let to say, hey, hey you've got they're coming. coming. You need to get the hell yeah. out of there. And then they hop into the woods and Hermione hears a, a crack behind turns and looks and she thinks she sees herself and she's like never mind that can't be that really can't be me yeah and then the past tense then leaves and then the now turn back time harry and hermione are basically there to rescue buckbeak yeah so that ultimately is how yeah everything unfolds and is explained through all of that i mean them going back in time is the reason that yeah they got made aware of what was going on and yeah they say they say they're in the woods they realize that 
werewolf Lupin is attacking at this point in time and Hermione is the one who howls from the woods to draw him away and now they're having to run away from the werewolf <laughs> and Buckbeak ends up saving them from werewolf Lupin well yeah because and then they Hermione up- howls which means the werewolf takes off after her which leaves yes. Harry alone with the revelation okay Harry from contemporary time thinks that the Patronus the was his dad. Is his dad. It's not his yeah. dad. It's, it's him. Harry from the future. So. Time Turner Harry. <laughs> yeah. Time Turner Harry. So he so. goes and he saves himself, but he, he doesn't realize it's him. And so he keeps waiting for his dad to show up. And then he's like, oh shit. It's not my dad. It's, it's me. me. I do it. And so he produces the Patronus that essentially saves himself and Sirius. And from there, they go on Buckbeak. Him and Hermione get Buckbeak and they fly up to the tower where they have Sirius locked away and they rescue Sirius. Ultimately, and because- he flies away on Buckbeak. Yeah, because Scabbers has escaped, so they have no proof that he's the one that actually deserves to be in Sirius's place, not Sirius. Right. So, but Dumbledore believes Dumbledore believes them. Dumbledore, because Dumbledore is the shit, and Dumbledore knows the truth. But nobody else is going to believe yeah. that. So it's basically he said she. Well, he said, right. he, said he said he said. And nobody's going to believe so. Sirius has to go into hiding, which ultimately means Harry mm-hmm. can't go stay with him now because they can't know where Sirius is. Otherwise, they'll come and take him back to right. So again, Harry mm-hmm. gets his little heart broken because he ends up go, having to go back to a situation that he didn't want, doesn't want to be in. But mm-hmm. ultimately, Sirius ends up taking off with Buckbeak and going into hiding and ultimately the end of the movie is I believe he gets the broom the replacement broom yeah oh they made me open it I didn't want to and I love how they're always surprised by oh what could this be and it's literally a broom wrapped in paper shaped like a broom (laughs) yeah no it's like oh my god what is it what is it what is it pretty sure it's a fucking broom i can't just like a broomstick (laughs) i mean why couldn't she have just oh it's a book wrapped up in a package shaped like a freaking no no, it's a freaking broom people yeah (laughs) <laughs> not make this any more complicated than it absolutely has to be yeah so, so then he flies on the new stick right and ultimately flies off into the sunset and and that's where it basically is. the first movie where they don't end the movie with the kids getting on the Hogwarts Express and going home yes so that in a rambling sort of fashion is Prisoner of Azkaban in a nutshell. Yeah. I think we did a pretty good job. 
Yeah, I think we can work on it for more for Prisoner of Azkaban, which we will because we are dedicated Harry this Potter. This is fans. Prisoner of Azkaban. Yeah. You meant Goblet of Fire. <laughs> Did I? Oh my God. It's, <laughs> it's, in the it's morning. fine. I'm it's totally fine. Please excuse my blonde moments. I can say blonde moments because Amanda's not here. You could say that anyway. Yeah, but then I might get a, you know, eat a dick fucker she or can, whatever. She can clam her tits. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, fun facts. Um, this one I actually found rather interesting. In order to acquaint himself with his three lead actors, Alfonso Caron had each of them write an essay about their characters from a first person point of view. In typical Hermione fashion, Emma Watson turned in a 16 page essay. Yep. Very Hermione esque. Yep. Daniel Radcliffe turned in a one page essay. Yep. So he did the work, but didn't necessarily go over the top. Kind of sort of Harry Potter esque. And in yep. very much Ron Weasley fashion, Rupert Grint did not turn in one essay at all. <laughs> so that kind of made me laugh when I read that. Yeah. Um, back to the fight between her and Draco. Like we said, I would dress again. Um, originally, the, the script called for Hermione to slap Draco instead of punching him. But she shocked the world and just hauled off and decked him in the face. And he even um, Tom Felton didn't even know that was coming. Nice. So um, the revel it works. I think it works really well because of the line she says afterwards about how that felt really good. Yeah. Kind of sort of adds a little bit of female empowerment to that moment where. Yeah. She's always been that girl who always gets called a mudblood and blah, 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 and ends up getting emotionally destroyed by Draco. And then all of a sudden she's like, bam, I've had enough. Pow, right in the face. Yep. So, girl power. Uh, let's see, like we addressed earlier, Richard Harris, the original OG Dumbledore passed away shortly before production. On Azkaban was set to begin. Um, Ian McKellen actually was the first choice to play the new Dumbledore. I'm glad they didn't pick him because he's Gandalf. Well, no, and that's where this fact was going was he actually turned it down because and it, it has him quoted, I had enough trouble living up to one legend Two would have been too much. Mm -hmm. It would have been inappropriate to take Richard's role as he had called me a dreadful actor in the past. Yeah. So <laughs> I love that. That just cracks me up. But you also got to remember Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter and well, and even the Hobbit trilogy all basically ran mm -hmm. at the same time. It would have been virtually impossible possible as an actor 
to have Ian play both parts. Oh yeah, he would have been just completely run down. Yeah, I can imagine a whole lot of personality issues coming from that split personality. So, um, let's see. Remus Lupin's name has a deep-rooted meaning. Lupus. Be well, Lupin coming from the species name of wolf romulus and remus were the founders of rome who were both raised by a female wolf where you get remus lupin Mm -hmm. the fact that he's a werewolf um sirius the brightest star in the night sky is also known as the dog star which foreshadows the fact that sirius is the dog seen throughout the film Mm-hmm. So, um, do you have anything that you wish to bring up? Yeah, I was I was telling Stephen this morning um, that, and I can't remember if it if it explains this in the book or if I just kind of pick up on it from the more detail in the book. But the whole Crookshanks scabbers relationship Uh how scabbers or crookshanks is always kind of suspicious of him i wonder if crookshanks was not a person who transformed into their animagus form and got stuck in it um and then knew that peter pettigrew was scabbers and that's why Crookshanks is always like keeping an eye on him or chasing him. Um, but yeah. wouldn't that like make so much sense? It would. Well, then you can also throw in the fact too that cats are generally very suspicious animals. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and, it, and that relationship makes sense from a cat mouse standpoint too. But well, yeah. I'm like deep diving into Harry Potter world where. Oh no. It it could be almost any one of those different roads that she who shall not be named wanted to go down. And I can't remember if it, if it's, if it's mentioned somewhere or like, if that's just like a, a fan theory that I came across one time, but I like it. Well, um, Harry Potter has become one of those things like, star wars or whatever that it's become such an epically grand franchise that Mm -hmm. fans have talked about it and debated on things and you know what's your thought on this what's your thought on that and before you know it it can get kind of hard to ask okay well was that a fact or was that something that a couple of fans talked about and posted on social media right. or yeah. whatever. So, you know, the line between book movie reality and fan, fan theory, theory. Yeah. It kind of, you know. Well, I like that theory. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like it. Or too, it could just be a transfiguration like Scabbers. I mean, that was not, he was not an animagus. He just transfigured himself into that rat. Yeah. 
So it could be that, you know, like McGonagall can be a cat, maybe Scott or Crookshanks is a person that, I don't know. I like it though. I think it's a, a cool theory to think, okay, Scabbers um, has been around and Crookshanks knows that he's not really a rat. So she's like, I'm watching you. I'm going to get you. <laughs> Uh, let's see. I've got a couple memorable quotes that I love from this movie as well. Um, from the opening night at Hogwarts before the feast, when Dumbledore is introducing everybody, he makes reference to the fact that happiness can be found even in the darkest of times if one only remembers to turn on the light. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Which, in a way, kind of sort of mysteriously foreshadows what's on the horizon for this movie and even future movies to come as well because the darkness is here people just go into the room and turn on the light though and Mm -hmm. we will have your happily ever after um i love hermione's line coming down the hill approaching draco and his boys when she calls him a foul, loathsome little cockroach. Yeah. Because, again, it's the whole, she's been called a mudblood now for, what, almost three full years of school. Mm-hmm. For somebody like her, you know, mudblood is an incredibly insulting name. Yeah. <clears throat> Uh, let's see. Uh, Sirius has a line. I want you to listen to me very careful, Harry. You're not a bad person. You're a very good person who bad things have happened to. Besides, the world isn't split into good people and death eaters. We've all got light and dark inside us. What matters is the part we choose to act on. That's who we really are. Mm-hmm. So a good one godfather godson moment of the movie as Sirius is trying to impart some kind of wisdom on harry as they go um also there's a scene in the beginning ish of the movie where um it's one of the first couple encounters between lupin and harry where they're standing on that walkway talking and Lupin basically tells him the first time I saw you Harry I recognized you immediately not by your scar by your eyes they're your mother's lilies yes I knew her your mother was there for me at a time when no one else was not only was she a singularly gifted witch but she was also an uncommonly kind woman so that obviously foreshadows the fact that um there's a bond, obviously, between the two of them, which maybe, if you think about it, might warm up, warm you up to the idea that, you know, there could be, okay, there's a bond between her and Lily, so there could be a bond between him and James then as well, and then how does Sirius factor into all of that? I mean could be a way lot of overthinking going on but um it is what it is 
Did you have any memorable quotes that you wanted to throw out there? Um, I mean, I already did earlier. <laughs> Our favorite oh. part is the Stan, Stan Shunpike. And <laughs> yeah, every no. time it goes on, we're, we all are like, what you doing down there? <laughs> what you fell over for? <laughs> well, come on then. I love that scene just because you're coming off of the whole what's going to happen to Harry. But then it provides some lighthearted comedy when. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the night bus, the whole night bus scene is just, it's a good one. Yeah. So what are your honest to God impressions of the movie? Um, I really like this movie um, just because I think the, the additional cast members added more a more serious aspect to it and of course Mm -hmm. the plot line obviously um because like we said before this is this is the first movie that it starts to get dark and we really start getting the teenage vibe from the kids and you know it's a little bit more grown up Mm -hmm. and it's just i you find out a lot of interesting things in this movie that explain a lot from the previous two movies. And then it also explains things going forward. So this is a good, this is a good kickoff to the next several movies. Um, Yeah. Because ultimately it's going to continue down a certain path of mm -hmm. darkness before you can ultimately get to the ending whatever that may be we don't want to spoil it for anybody that hasn't watched the movies yet but if you haven't watched the movies seriously what the hell people even it's okay i mean if you haven't it's okay we we give you a pretty good rundown of of what happens in the movies and hopefully we make it so that you want to watch the movies too if you haven't yet enough of our conversations between you and i have convinced amanda to give the franchise a try and i did not honestly think we were going to get be able to reel that one in yeah so the fact that we we got her reeled in to eventually at some point sit down and watch the movies you know hats off to us yeah yay so yeah so i love this i love this movie um i i love all the rest of them i mean really again like we've said before uh chamber of secrets is the only one that i that i don't care to watch over and over again like all the other ones i can put them on and and or if they're on and i see that they're on i can rewatch it a million times just they're they're so good so i would give this movie are we rating can i rate just yet go ahead and give your rating i would give this movie five out of five hippogriffs that would be a very sound review um i mean for my review, you pretty much hit every point that I was going to make. You know, this movie definitely dips into the dark and definitely starts to become a lot less 
kid based and more yeah. your the kids are maturing into teenagers and continuing down that road um as far as the kid actors are in the movie go i mean they're really starting to you're starting to see the evolution of their acting talent yeah from sorcerer stone to prisoner of azkaban they become a lot more well-rounded actors than what they were the first time out mm-hmm. um hats off to michael gambon for coming in and truly making the role of albus percival wolfric brian dumbledore his own mm-hmm. um i actually was going to go with the hippogriffs as well so <laughs> i'm i'm going five out of five hippogriffs as well for this movie so that is prisoner of azkaban very well <coughs> described and plotted out for you um always like to thank the dozens for being here each and every episode you guys are awesome as well i would love to tip my hat to my pod migo for being here as well and sharing her love of harry potter with me it's nice to know that there are others of us out there. Thanks for having me. Anytime. We should do this again Thanks sometime. For having me. Maybe next time. Oh, you know we will. Oh, I know <laughs> because well, maybe next time we can discuss um a Coraline or whatever the case may be. Kevin. A Coraline or a goblet of fire. <laughs> whatever. Or we can just reconvene on the sip list and you and Amanda can sip and I'll have my water. So yeah. um, really quick before we go out the door, um, coming up on an evening at the movies, I'm going to finish up my halfway to Halloween celebration and do a couple episodes on Nightmare on Elm Street 5 and Friday the 13th 4. Um, the beginning of May, we will have an episode on the Star Wars prequels. Um, uh, May 15th, we will be releasing an episode on Police Academy, <clears throat> which also was deemed the episode that I will reveal chapter one of the book I'm writing. So definitely tune in for that one um and then basically ending out the month chris and i are going to be discussing rogue one a star wars story and we're still trying to get a handful of people on board i know you heard it referred to earlier but i need to get the pod migos and kevin on the same page because we owe kevin well, I owe Kevin a Coraline episode, so. Yes. I promised you guys literally almost a year ago. I've got to go back and find out, do the research to find out when that promise was made because I seriously think the anniversary of that is coming up. But yeah, so that's what's coming up through the end of April and probably end, end-ish of May, beginning of June. So stay tuned for all of that. Um, 
but yeah other than that thank you guys for being here thank you jen again for being here you are freaking awesome and we'll get you back well, again. thanks for having me anytime you are always welcome on the show so you are one of my two co-hosts so you are a part of the pod Migo squad so it is you know you are always welcome on an evening at the movies as well as i know you are always welcome to sip along with queenie and i on the sip list as well yes So already, well, I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up and say thank you guys for all being here. And I hope you guys all come back for an evening at the movies. Have a good rest of your weekend, guys.